Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Drive to your nearest Sonic location and try their new Choose Any Two for $7 deal for a limited time only. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. Joined, as always, by Kevin Zimmerman. I, I did like four of them there. Now we have the visual element of you doing like this weird lower jaw side like eh, pause. I don't know if you know that you did that, but I just watched you do that. Did I? Yeah. Oh man! Wow. No, I'm not aware of my extremities. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, your name is pronounced Zimmerman, by the way. I hate when I do the Zimmerman at the start because then people will actually think that it's pronounced that way, but it is in fact Kevin Zimmerman. Not that Zimmerman is like, how do you pronounce Zimmerman again? I, I've never run into someone messing it up. Uh, as I've been called very many variations with my first name, so yeah. it's something for me. Phoenix Suns basketball is here. Uh, we are recording this on Monday at 12.01. If you're watching the video version of this on YouTube, Kevin just shook his head. The reason why he did is because it has been all baseball around the town. D-backs playing game six of the NLCS in about two or three hours. And then if they win, we will have a game seven happening at the same time. Like the last three innings of game seven will be happening while the Suns start their season. So it's been a it's been a really uh, hectic uh, last couple of weeks. I'll say I covered games three, four and five voluntarily. I might add, of course, <laughs> congratulations. You played yourself. I'm playing myself over and over again here. Um, having my head in a cycle going into the season, but I love it, man, because we got to see some postseason baseball. Boy, were games three and four worth it. Boy, was game five kind of worth it. I got to see two very strong men hit a baseball very, very far. That was kind of tight. Um, but we're all basketball here, brother. But just to reemphasize to you and what we've been uh, w- with your head shaking and such, it's hard to believe. I think for some Valley sports fans, it's sneaking up on them now, which is that that part is hard to believe, too. Because we were so hyped for months and like, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. But then this baseball team out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm still in the mindset like, oh, that's like next week. No, it's tomorrow, dude. Yeah. You have to watch basketball tomorrow, yeah. I do understand there's a large majority of our audience isn't aware of like what we do specifically. We help run ArizonaSports.com. So we write a lot of baseball words, a lot of football words, a lot of hockey words. We write... A lot of words on a lot of different sports other than basketball, but and that's why we're going to talk about all those sports today instead of the Phoenix Suns. But now we're, we're just prefacing here with what's going on here locally, because I think that's a big part of what you and I can provide to listeners is that if you're a fan from Australia, if you're a fan from Texas, New York, Canada, Finland, if you're a Lowry stand out there, whatever it is, uh, we can provide to you how the city is feeling right now. City's definitely pumped. Uh, Saturday is going to be a great night, but it's just become a baseball town overnight. It's been really cool to see. Let's focus on that Phoenix Suns basketball team, though. I would say that Tuesday's opener, Kevin, I did not get what I wanted, which was injury clarity. Because I wanted to go in here and talk about, ooh, like how does Chris Paul really fit on this team? What are the matchups we're looking for? We don't really know right now. We'll start with Golden State. Draymond Green, questionable to play in this game. Mark Spears originally reported a timeline at the time of Draymond's injury that seemed that didn't seem to. It suggested that he was going to miss at least the first week, maybe two weeks of the regular season. But all of a sudden, he was uh, reevaluated on Sunday and has been labeled questionable for Tuesday's opener. It, I, I don't want to sit here and guess whether he plays or not, but obviously the storyline attached to there is 
it wouldn't force Golden State's hand just yet in terms of who is going to start and who is going to uh, come off the bench out of those six players. Again, they have arguably the best lineup in basketball, the best starting five in basketball. I don't know. Respect to Denver as always, but you've got Steph Curry, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. They've got Chris Paul as well. They know what they're going to do by now. If they didn't know a month or two ago, they sure know by now, but they might not have to do that right away. We'll see. And then on the Sun side, Kevin, uh, we learned yesterday at practice, again, uh, get on the socials, get on our website, check for updates here because... We're going to have more news coming in the next couple of hours, I would assume, uh, whether it is good or not good. But Frank Vogel uh, already making Suns fans panic by saying that Devin Booker and Frank uh, and Bradley Beal were both limited in practice yesterday. It is a sore toe for Booker, and then it is the same low back tightness that held Beal out of two preseason games. Um, Vogel phrased it as they should be good to go. And this is in that learning stage for us, who uh, for guys like you and me, who cover the team on a daily basis, hear from the coach, see injury reports, all that kind of stuff. Are these guys going to play? Are they going to be listed on the injury report at all if they do play? Are they out tomorrow? Like We don't really know exactly what that meant besides taking it for face value, which I'm going to choose to do, which is they should be good to go. Okay, they're playing tomorrow. I'll, I'll just take it for that. Um, but yeah, hey, I would just like to see these teams at full strength, please. Do you want to like go down the list of narratives, talking points? Because I don't know if there's a way to better arrange this podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know in terms of how much they matter to Suns fans listening right now. So we've got Chris Paul playing his first game against the Suns since we the can trade. start there. Yeah, we've got Kevin Durant. Not playing his first game in Golden State since he left, but doing so for the first time since fans are there. It seems crazy. That was so long ago, but the pandemic and oh. then just injuries that he's had over the course of this time, he's got that going on. He spoke with Mark Spears about it uh, on a story that he had up this morning about it. Uh, and then there's just like this thing that I've been talking about for years now where it feels like these two teams have been on a collision course for a while now to face uh, each other in the postseason the last three years now, and we still haven't seen it yet. I think I think from a Suns perspective just again assuming those guys are good to play what do we see in a crunch time-ish moment because the preseason didn't teach us anything of resistance like when those guys are going they just put their foot down on the pedal and they pulled away they had their moments Um, I want to see them in a tight game that's all I want to see really Um, and I think the Warriors, though, like, this could honestly be a blowout one way or the other. I wouldn't be surprised. And if it's just, like, a dud as far as entertainment value because each team has so many new things to work with. Like, Chris Paul is not, from a basketball perspective, easy to put in that team. That's why we thought that trade was so weird. But also, like, personality-wise, it's just a learning curve. Yeah, the continuity edge absolutely goes to the Warriors. Don't get me wrong, but... We phrased it this way in the offseason. Every team that Chris Paul has joined has instantly become a Chris Paul team and played like a Chris Paul team and all that kind of stuff. None of that here. Uh, this is going to be the Golden State Warriors still. They are going to play Steve Kerr style. They are going to play Steph Curry style. Are they going to run more pick and roll now with Chris Paul in the mix? Sure, of course, because he's one of the best pick and roll players of all time. Of course you should. But 
it's going to take some adjusting for them to figure out that flow, when to use that, when to use this, when to use Chris off-ball. When Chris is off-ball, is he going to shoot the threes that they mm-hmm. want him to? We saw that in Phoenix and saw how that was a mixed bag a lot of the times. And then to go to the Phoenix side, I'm, I'm with you. I think that when the chips are in the middle of the table and the game is up for grabs, who is out there at the end of the game? I, I don't think that you're going to see Yusuf Nurkic not playing in closing time in game one of the regular season, but it is one of those moments like, okay, they're going at Nurkic and the game's on the line here. Let's see how he responds and how the defense responds. Let's see who's guarding Steph Curry because something that I talked about um, with Mike Vigil and Sam Cooper last night and I've talked about on here a lot is like the who guards Steph Curry thing and that's all well and good, but I do think that there is like a almost a nod that Vogel can give Booker during a timeout or something as if to say like, go be Team USA guy now. You're picking up Steph the rest of the game now. I do think that that is something that I don't want to be the Suns guy who's been covering Booker his entire tenure being like, he's an elite defender now. But there are going to be certain matchups where he is probably the best guy to put on a Steph Curry or a De'Aaron Fox or someone like that because of what they're looking to do offensively. So I, I do, I am intrigued to see how many possessions do we see Booker take on that matchup or Beal if he proves to be capable for the task. Like even in this specific matchup, like I'm guessing, I'm guessing it'll be something like if, if Chris Paul and Steph Curry are starting, I'm guessing whether it's Josh Okogie or Grayson, I think it'll be Josh Okogie. Okogie starts on Curry and then Booker's guarding Chris Paul. And that's that's a matchup that he's going to have to take in and be on his P's and Q's because guess who knows how Devin Booker defends and has been mm-hmm. uh, putting those back in the Rolodex, not on purpose, like I'm going to get traded one day and have this come back to bite you, but Chris sees everything, notices everything, notices He just records trends. it all in the ro- Rolodex. All, yeah, it's all in the database. So he's got that down, and that'll be I'm, – I'm particularly giddy to see those two guarding each other. I hope that Chris is guarding <clears> him on the other end too. I think that would be a lot of fun. The closest we got was the All-Star game. Remember that where Book or Chris couldn't use his hand or whatever? Uh, and then Book was trying to get him with the rip through, <laughs> and we got that one little possession, and that was it. Um, but I- I'm excited for that part of the chess match, or whatever you want to call it, just like the opening round of checkers, I guess is the better way to put it, um, to see exactly what they do. I think rotation-wise, if we do get the big three and they are all not limited in some sense, like, yeah, we're playing Beal, but he's on a minutes restriction or whatever, or something like that. Um, what do the rotations look like? How often are two of them on the floor in the regular season? I think that's the big one for me because you can afford to have only one of them on the floor. We saw the Lakers game. Hey, if Kevin Durant's out there, you can just hit seven straight shots, dominate a quarter, and you don't really need anyone else to be out there with him. You and I could have been out there with him, and the offense would have been fine because he's shooting over double and triple teams almost every possession anyway. But it works the best with two of them out there. Who are the combinations that he wants the most? Is it Beal and Durant? Is it... Booker and Beal? Is it Booker and Durant? Which which guy does he trust the most on his own? Uh, there's a lot of different dynamics with how the big three are used and who runs the offense when it's two of them out there. What Who runs the offense when Booker's not out there? In the Beal-Durant lineups, is Beal the point guard? Is it someone like Jordan Goodwin coming in? A lot. A lot that we're going to learn here in the first week. With the big three, I think that is like of what we can learn in one game type stuff. Like that's going to be a constant, right? I think there is something to finding a rhythm with those three guys. There's consistency that's going to be needed there. And also because there's only so many iterations you can have with three starters like that. To me, I think we'll learn about Frank Vogel and how he's approaching things quickly here because obviously 
Golden State's different than a lot of teams. They're going to go smaller probably, especially with Chris, um, even if Draymond's not there. So I think we'll learn whether, like, Jordan Goodwin should play a lot in this game because they're going to have two point guards basically in that group. That's a good opportunity to give Jordan Goodwin time. But also at the same time, you could play Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen a lot. So he has options there. It's going to be like, okay, are you are you really wanting to get that spacing out there and see how that works? Or is defense your priority? Look, you're trying to establish an identity, right? And I think we did the 36 Unbothered series, and one of ours was, what do we want to see in the first 10 games? I think... And I gave a super cliche answer on this, but I think it's super important. Defense is the thing because I think mm-hmm. the offense will figure itself out, right? Like they, they have tweaks, they have smart guys, they have talented guys to figure it out as they go. You can win games, but I think bullying people and just making that their presence known and developing a reputation. Like I think it's important you develop a res- reputation of being a tough team yes. in the league right now because you want to get tough matchups by next week. You want people to be like, okay, they're going to fight people. Um, they're not just like some team who thinks they're going to cruise through people. And like we look at the reputation of the Suns teams under Monty Williams, it wasn't the best. Like I know Patrick Beverly's one man with a podcast and a big following on that podcast, probably, but. They just said, like, people aren't afraid of that team. And that was a reputation thing. And not that that matters because results matter, but for this team, I think they really do need to be that defensive-minded team, and the offense will figure itself out. That's how you're going to get the best championship run out of this squad. Yeah, And I, I don't think you can get, like, blowouts with great offensive games and, like, the defense is whatever. I think that would not be a good start. And then Vogel... Like, that's habitual. He talks about habits. I think they just need to figure that out, find themselves into tough games, and worry about the offense later. I think it'll be just helpful if they find themselves in games where they're going to have to work through clutch moments, have film of those clutch moments, and uh, get more out of it earlier instead of just finding it easy, I guess. To your point on being a physical team and the defensive identity and all that and developing a reputation, it's not... I'm not going to phrase it as winning the mental war, but you know those scuffles that happen where all game Josh Okogie has been just grabbing Steph Curry in his jersey and all that kind of stuff, and then eventually Steph just slaps at his hand, and then there's a little thing there. Yeah, That's what it's about, basically, is having those kinds of moments. And players like... Honestly, it starts with Book, because he's just this type of guy anyway. But... um, it's not to say anyone is more physically imposing than the other. It's just more about mentality, and I think Book is going to lead the charge on it. But then it's going to be on guys like Akogi. It's going to be on guys like Grayson Allen. It's going to be on guys like Eubanks. It's going to be on those guys, even someone like Yuta specifically, where it's like, will you stop running around and like yeah. bumping me, dude? Like, stop. It's, it's that type of stuff that they're going to need. And I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote a feature um, with exclusive stuff from Booker and Vogel on – the, the times where Booker and Beal first matched up against Frank Vogel in the playoffs. It was both their playoff debuts and the glow away theme from talking to Book and then getting some answers from Bradley Beal as well was just how physical those teams were. Anything about Bradley Beal as a player and how much he wants to get to the rim, if he was able to get by guys who were much bigger than him like Lance Stevenson and Paul George, there was David West or Roy, or David West or Roy Hibbert, Hibbert waiting there just beating the crap out of him the yeah. whole series. And 
it was funny watching the games back. I watched three of them back in that series when they lost in six games. The Wizards did. And he was like, he was getting to his spots. He had open jumpers, but he just wasn't making them anymore. And that's because those guys were just mauling him. And that is something that this team needs to get known for uh, there from an identity perspective. And then from a schematic perspective, what I wrote about in the piece was just you need to get the basics of everything down that Vogel wants you to do. Something that Josh talked about after the first or second preseason game was just the his instinctual thing always being to switch this or do this in, in that quarter of a second read. And those reads are new now. Yeah. And Vogel does very specific stuff in those in those places. So all of that stuff needs to come together. And if they can get that stuff down by mid-December, two months in, if they can get that kind of stuff, that's when Vogel can really start to go crazy with what he does. Because Monty, as a defensive coach, he wasn't um, revolutionary. He was not versatile. But what those teams could do is play really solid defense and play really, really hard. They were top 10 in defensive rating all three years he was here. And then there were all those games that I wrote about where you could tell they were doing something very specific. And it stood out because they didn't do it all the time, but when they chose to do so, they executed it really, really well. I think a lot of that had to do with Jay and Chris, to be fair. Yeah. But the point still stands, and that's what they can get from Vogel on a nightly basis now if they get down the schematic stuff. But if we're here in in January and February and there's still a lot of loose ends showing up and they don't look completely connected and they're they're disjointed on some possessions, then you don't unlock the potential that's there in the same way we talked about KD last year and like it was like a two out of ten in terms of what they could have gotten out of Kevin uh, Kev, having Kevin Durant on their team it's the same thing um, and to what you're talking about and what what we just brought up here with the rotations and stuff and who they're going to play I talk about this all the time we look at matchups and say like oh this guy can't play that guy can't play and you forget who's playing for the other team and it's like they're going to play Dario back at five. So if you wanted to ever run KD at the five and try it right away, this is the game to do it. Yeah. Because you don't need to worry about Dar- Dario's a very physical player. I think that guys like him who aren't necessarily athletic and in that kind of way and aren't just like humongous strong men aren't thought of as physical. But Dario banged with everyone down there. He, he didn't. He didn't care about playing that way. So he's a physical guy. But with that being said, you're looking at Kuminga off the bench. You're looking at Moody off the bench, Corey Joseph. Like there are going to be windows in, in games here to try what you want so whether it is using um, all of the offensive guys more so or you do want to find a way to get Jordan Goodwin minutes on night one you do want to find a way to get you to minutes uh, game one there are going to be opportunities across the league because like even the Lakers who we talked about on our last episode like they're not the deepest team we thought they had a great offseason it was terrific but once you get, get past guys six or seven you're talking about some questionable names where you're not sure how they're going to play you're talking about guys who are in their first or second year so I do think that across the league and across the season, these aren't really like high-stakes moments in that way, and it's not like you're playing the Denver Nuggets who have eight incredibly solid guys who are just doing everything every single night. Like Those teams don't exist right now, so you can be a lot more loose with what you want to do and try different stuff. I want to ask you one thing on the rotations. Do you think KBD or Nasir Little plays in game one? I think they will, especially because it's the Warriors. I would guess kbd i i'm just picking a name out of thin air so are you going with him as guy nine basically i think so yeah, yeah i mean over you <clears throat> yeah okay Yuta, you could argue just should play those minutes right now i think he's guy nine already yeah 
Um, who guy ten is, and that's where I, that's where I, I think we'll see. Go I think I think it could be between halves. We see a different guy type situation. Um, you brought up a good point though, real quick. Just replacing that many role players, but also replacing guys who were the defensive voices, and also like whatever you think of DA, he was the backline voice of that team. He played the very strong majority of the center minutes on the back line back line so who is like that voice who's like yo we're at the very baseline of what this scheme is you guys are screwing it up getting on people a player not just frank i i think that's going to be super interesting to develop and again it's probably has to be book or kd it can't be any of these role players because again it's they don't really have someone who can command maybe josh kogi i don't know if he's like that dude to be super vocal and that kind of thing um maybe nurk helps does drew eubanks be comfortable if he's playing a lot especially in this game where there's not a lot of bigs that nurkic max matches up with um so i think from even just a communication perspective uh accountability type thing we're going to learn a lot. And I'm sure this obviously has been happening in practices. Maybe you know more me than me because you've been out at those practices and seen like the openish portions of them, whatever. But I've seen people try free, uh, work on their free throws. That's all I've okay. seen yeah. all year. So, so that's going to be super interesting to see just watching how they interact with one another, watching what, like, who is like, come here, guys. We screwed up that rotation, whatever. Um, that that stuff is super important and again it's it's a matter of i think of this in football terms too where it's you start with the baseline you have your base offense you go into week one you put stuff on tape teams scout it and then you start countering and adding and building on top of things and then by the end of the year you get this very thick book of plays and things that everyone should know but if you don't get like if you're not crisp right out of the gate here then you're working on yourself instead of working on okay over scouting and out scouting the opponent at some point and i think again that that's super important and it's about getting ahead i guess promise i'm not uh doing the bit here just to torture you with the weeks we've been having here and how busy we've been but we're gonna play a guessing game okay yeah who is the first guard that you think of in terms of like the most difficult matchup the dip, most difficult guy to scout that kind of thing like you're worried about guarding in, this guy in the nba in the nba at guard at guard who do they play in the first game stephen curry who is the biggest matchup problem defensively from like a jumbo wing perspective like a big bulky power powerful kind of primary initiator are you talking about draymond no the next game oh lebron and this is more of a stretch, but like, who's the team running a jumbo lineup right now? Third game. They play Utah. <laughs> you weren't, okay. even, weren't even there. So Utah plays, they're going to play Kessler, John Collins, and Lowry all together. So you think about yeah. how this team is going to guard. It's like different how they, ways, yeah. How are they going to, is Vogel going to switch up the starters on a uh, nightly basis? But even if it's a Kogi or Allen or Gordon starting uh, on Tuesday, it's like, okay, is Katie guarding lebron or is so their five is delo reeves lebron uh vando hachimura prince whoever they put there and then ad it's like okay nurkic ad you've got uh, after that i don't really know um 
do you put a Kogi on Reeves or Allen on Reeves, or do you put them on LeBron and pray that he's not going to the basket every possession? Or does KD take that assignment? Or do you start KBD and put him on LeBron? That's that's a tricky thing. And then if, if uh, one of those start, if that fifth starter is guarding LeBron, that means that Booker or Beal is guarding Reeves, and he's going to be a handful. Um, or, or Russell, who can go off in any game. And then against Utah, is a Kogi guarding Lowry, Markinen, who's <laughs> eight inches taller than him? He's two fifty. If he's light, he's a big boy at small forward. This who, isn't who guards doing, John like, Collins? Yeah, yeah. This isn't me doing like the they're in trouble thing. It's just like I, I don't know what they're gonna. I don't know how they do it. Um, I'm just curious. To in see theory, what they should they change the starting lineup drastically. You know what what's super tight hmm. for the Suns? Who does John Collins guard? Who does Lowry Markkinen guard? Uh-oh. It's a bigger problem. For them. <laughs> that's the that's the part of the equation as always. And again, like look, you look at um, okay. Let's pull up the Lakers right now. We already we we kind of know what the Warriors bid is. Like assuming Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, like they'll be the three guys taking on the assignments. And we've seen Clay his like lateral quickness, especially since coming back from the injury, hasn't been great. Uh, okay, I would say. I would hope that they, for their sake, start Vando and put him on KD or Booker. Probably put Vando on Booker. LeBron has to... This is setting up to be LeBron, KD. That's what I'm saying. So Reeves and Russell, can they guard Booker and Beal so Vanderbilt can guard Durant? But then D'Lo is guarding Bradley Beal or Devin Booker. And if they're not going to do that, that means LeBron has to guard Kevin Durant which he has been the most <laughs> hidden defender arguably in the league for the last three years, not in terms of just how often he's hidden, but just his workload when he's over there. Like, he butchers rotations all the time. He just doesn't really he, – he's LeBron James. He knows when he's butchering a rotation, and he's just not doing it a lot of the times. Uh, they have Anthony Davis on the, in the back line, which is obviously going to help them. But then, yeah, you look at Utah. So if they're going to start – Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson. Sexton takes Booker. Ooh. I think. Big Boyd. Yeah. Clarkson takes Beal. Beal. And then Lowry or John Collins, probably Lowry. And Lowry, as we saw in Chicago and especially Cleveland, better perimeter defender he's given credit for, but not in a way to stop Kevin Durant, certainly. No. Uh, and then you get to move Collins around uh, with whoever else is out there. Like, if you really want to put Grace Allen out there, it's like John Collins has to guard Grace Allen now. <laughs> like, it's it's fascinating. Uh, I can't really wait to see how it turns out. Anything else? What do you think? I, I'm. I will be back on Friday. We're planning on again. If the Dimebacks make the World Series, it's going to be <laughs> our schedule is going to be all over the place. So we'll see. We'll try our best as we always do, but. Man, uh, there's just a lot we're going to learn after two games, right? Yeah. I I can't even wrap my hand around it because I've been thinking about other things. Yeah. <laughs> like baseball, but I think right now it's just you want to see one game in the books and kind of build on that. And I, I believe that we will quickly learn answers again on how Frank Vogel operates. And that's the biggest thing for me is, is he going to be a coach who wants to manage 
it's not even egos i don't think especially these role players who are on for the most part minimum contracts who know what they signed up for um but it's managing like if you're getting spot minutes here you're not getting playing time during a stretch can you come in and be ready to go like that's not easy i'm sure and just from a rhythm perspective not a again ego thing and is that his philosophy because i think he's suggested that is his philosophy where he's going to call upon different guys at different points in the season and i Monty got to the finals doing the opposite of that. And to me, I think it's super fascinating to talk about like the ability to completely change up and remorph your entire roster or rotations and personnel groupings to match people. Because at the end of the day, it's about that to match up defensively because the Suns have three really good players that everyone like you just went through has a lot more worrying about those three dudes and how to match yeah there's going to be teams on three games and four night stretches or whatever it is or like five games in eight days and they're like oh gosh seriously like (laughs) our fourth game we have to and then we have to go to like la the night after are you kidding me like that they're they're just going to be a brutal draw at certain points in the regular season and i can't and and like speaking to the matchup thing i just can't wait to see how there's going to be a fluid process to it where it's like oh they're going to put d-lo on field and like we're just going to run everything around brad to start the game and you have to yeah. try and help off Devin Booker and Kevin. How Dan. quickly can the Suns, when teams figure out, like one team gives a blueprint that's pretty good, how quickly can Suns react and kind of counter that? Like this, the chess matching for this team, like no offense again to the last few iterations of the Suns, but we went into the last two seasons knowing kind of what we were going to see, knowing what Monty does, knowing the guys so well. And this one is like absolutely different feeling in my brain because it's so many unknowns i that's partially why it's exciting and then it's also like well there's kevin duran and devin booker and bradley beal bad example but because this team didn't really ultimately turn into like the contender and absolute powerhouse that they looked like they were going to be but do you remember the first week of the chip kelly eagles with vic and sean <laughs> jackson where they just blew the brakes off of like the uh, commanders or something like that wow. that doesn't count toward anything but anyway but like Vic threw for like four touchdowns had like 400 yards passing Deshaun had like 200 or whatever it was I'm exaggerating the numbers probably but I just everyone was like oh my gosh like they're gonna absolutely how are you gonna defend this team I think oh. that's what we're gonna uh, that's what we're gonna be like after watching this I think we're just gonna be like how do you stop this but then it's gonna go much better the rest of the way than it did for <laughs> yeah. Chip Kelly and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles because he didn't have counters <sighs> wow you really pulled that out look at you <laughs> All right, man. You think the D-backs uh, are playing again tomorrow on Friday? Yeah. Wow. No. Oh, Friday. Oh no. Oh no. I, I don't I think. Th- I, I thought think, you meant tomorrow. I don't Sorry. think you can win two there. I don't think you can win two there. I think Merrill could put in the performance of a lifetime. I think Merrill's been capable of that for a while now. But I think that fought in Game Seven is like. I wasn't listening to you. I think they win today and then lose Game Seven. Yeah, it's just like fought was incredible in game three i was there but that was uh, that was uh, it was a much more different environment than what he would face there and they would they would go in there a game seven there you think about how loud it's going to be and then them also knowing like this is the rookie pitcher making his debut on the road in the (laughs) postseason like we're going to welcome him um but i don't know that's the beauty of sports merrill could go out there throw eight scoreless and then anything happens in the game seven after that man you could get the lou dort 
seven threes game that the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder got then nearly had them move on you know who knows all right everyone we'll be back later in the week to talk about uh, how this thing looks on the court we're finally going to see it see you then